Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Garnet, how are you sir? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm absolutely wonderful. I'm over the moon uh, to speak to somebody that's also on the spiritual spiritual journey or fighting the spiritual battle, as we say. Also, I'm very chuffed to be speaking to a Canadian because I had one of the most brilliant travel experiences in Canada. I started off, I landed in Calgary, wasn't it, the Olympics? Calgary, 88 Olympics, Winter yeah, Olympics, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't there for 88, but I landed there in 92. I remember seeing the big ski jumps that were still there. Uh, I then got a connecting flight to Edmonton where I had some friends that really, really looked after me. We then jumped in their station wagon and and drove through the Rockies, through Jasper and Banff. And I left these guys and I hitchhiked to Vancouver, which is your neck of the woods. Uh, I met a couple of guys that had a, they had like a, a, an apartment there with their own swimming pool and everything. So they, they just uh, took me in as a, a traveling Marine. And uh, we just had a really great time. And um, one of them's parents lived on Vancouver Island. So we we took the trip across and uh, yes, absolutely stunning part of the world. Wonderful people. Where do we begin, Garnet? Do you want to, do you want to go for it? You, 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 friends, before we begin, Garnet's got his own YouTube channel. The link will be below. He's also, um, written several books. Garnet was in law before he followed the writing path. And I believe it was a chap called Albert, wasn't it, Garnet? We just discussed right. that, that kind of changed your life. Is 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 that a good place to start or, or would you uh, rather? Absolutely. That's a great starting point. I mean, before I met Albert, um, I was a corporate lawyer practicing in Calgary. You mentioned you landed in Calgary in 92. Mm-hmm. I spent most of my adult life in Calgary practicing law. I was a typical uh, button-down stuff shirt corporate lawyer, arrogant and condescending and all that sort of stuff, uh, until I met Albert, who really uh, basically kicked my butt and got me down on going down a different path. So what happened was I was walking down the street one sunny afternoon in May in my three-piece Navy striped suit. All of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, a homeless man jumped in front of me, stopped me in my tracks, like stood right in front of me. Um, and uh, I'd never seen this man before, but he looked like a typical homeless man. He was like a, a long, stringy hair, scraggly beard, dirty, slept-in clothes, awful smell. You know, he, he looked like a man who's been living on the street for a long time, and he hadn't seen a shower in, a, in, a, in probably several weeks. In any event, so the, the amazing thing was that instead of just walking around this guy like I would typically do when I uh, ran into homeless people on the street, there were lots of them there, you know, they're panhandling for money and so on. I, I didn't because there was something different about this guy. He had these amazing, dazzling, sparkling blue eyes that shone like two little blue stars. And and as he's looking at me, I, I could feel that he was sending me what I, I could only describe as a, as a wave of pure, unconditional love that was flowing from him to me. And it was infusing my whole body with an amazing sense of peace, security, and well-being. It was like I had died and gone to heaven, but I was still here on earth. Like an amazing feeling, never never encountered that before. And I also sensed that he knew everything about me. I just sensed that he knew my entire history on this planet, everything I'd done or said, 
uh, and I'm not sure, I didn't know how he, he could know this because we never met before. I stood there like a deer caught in the headlights, just basking in the glow from the, this love this man was sending me. And then he snapped me out of, the, out of my reverie by saying, why are you here? Then he promptly disappeared into a nearby store. Well, when I finally collected my wits, which took a few minutes, I decided I had to go and find this guy to find out who he was and why did he stop me. So I went into the store that he had disappeared into. There was only one entrance and exit. He hadn't come out, but he was nowhere inside. So I walked back out onto the street. Uh, I walked up and down uh, for several blocks, hoping to spot him. But he had basically disappeared into thin air, nowhere to be seen. As I'm walking back to my office, um, I was thinking to myself, you know, I've really got to come back here the next day to see if I can find him. So I did. Same street, same time of day. I was looking for this homeless man, hoping to spot him. I searched for about 20 minutes. I was about to give up. And then I spotted him sitting all alone on a bench. So I went up to him and I said, who are you and why did you stop me the other day? He said, I'm a soul just like you. I'm here to answer your questions and help you on your journey. So then my skeptical lawyer brain kicked in and I said, why do you think you can help me when you can't even help yourself? Because it looks like you've been sleeping on the street for weeks and you smell like a dead fish. Well, he just cracked a big smile. He said, you know, looks can be deceiving. He said, you look like you're a very successful corporate lawyer with everything under control, but we both know that's just a facade. He said, you know what? If you want to turn around and go back to your office and see if you can find all the answers you've been seeking all these years in all those emails from your clients. Of course, knowing that I'm not going to get any answers from my clients except the vans, um, I, I, my intuition was screaming at me to say, yes, okay, let's sit down and talk to this guy. What do I have to lose? Half an hour of my day? So I sat down on the bench, began talking to him. And, I, and he told me early on that his name was Albert. He was one of my spirit guides. He had disguised himself to meet with me. Um, so, so we began a chat that went off and on for several months. Um, he, uh, I, I, it was a dialogue initially where I had asked him all the questions, you know, the eternal questions of life, like, who am I? Why am I here? What's my life purpose? And the big one, what happens to me when I die? Now, I knew uh, I was raised as a Roman Catholic, so I knew what the Catholic Church had said about that. I'm either going to heaven or I'm going to hell. But that didn't quite, uh, I, I sort of dis, uh, dismissed that uh, early on, like in my 20s and 30s, thinking that and a lot of other things the Catholic Church taught did not make any sense. So I was yearning for some new answers. So I had this dialogue with Albert, and he answered all my questions very truthfully. Uh, what he told me just sort of rang true in my heart, and I know that he was telling the truth. And uh, he, he told me initially that he was not just here to answer my, or satisfy my curiosity, he was... Uh, he wanted me to write a book about what he told me so that I could uh, reveal what he said to everyone in the world. So that was my mission. I was like, I never even dreamed of writing a book. This was totally not even on my radar screen. In any event, so the, uh, the, the, the dialogue went on for, uh, as I said, for several months. He manifested physically for the first three times. After that, he was just a voice in my head, and we communicated by telepathy. So I said to him, well, Albert, why did you show up as the homeless man? Like, what, what was the reason for that? He said, well, if I had just suddenly started talking to you as a voice in your head, you likely would have thought you're losing your mind. So I had to gradually introduce you into the conversation by manifesting physically. And he told me that I was the only one who could see him physically. I, I, I saw him. I touched him. He was solid. He said if somebody else had been walking by the bench that day when I was chatting with Albert, they would have seen me sitting by myself talking to myself because I didn't see him. 
So anyway, that was his his way of easing me into the conversation by manifesting as the as the homeless man. Um, so anyway, we, when we finished the dialogue, then uh, he kept on gently pressuring me to write my first book. And so I was reluctant, but eventually I did. Uh, and then when I finished writing it, I thought, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to publish this because it, it was totally contrary to what my uh, law partners, colleagues, clients knew me as a lawyer. And I knew that they'd be shaking their head thinking that poor old Garnet has, has uh, gone senile prematurely, you know. So I was afraid of that backlash. But then after a while, I thought, well, if I don't do it, I'm going to regret it. So I just I got it published. And sure enough, a lot of my former friends and colleagues uh, give me the silent treatment. They don't say to my face they think I'm crazy, but I know they're thinking that. But in any event, so I lose some friends. I gained a whole lot more uh, new people, spiritually enlightened people. And so overall, it's been a, a very positive change. And uh, so that resulted in my first book, Dancing on a Stamp. Um, then after that, Albert came into my life in a bit of a different way. Um, he was, uh, I had not heard from him for a little while after I finished the manuscript for the first book. I heard a noise one night. I was in my bed. I sat up and I could see this ghost-like figure standing in the doorway of my bedroom. And when it moved closer to my bed, I could see it was Albert in this homeless man disguise, but he was in astral form. And I said, okay, Albert, what brings you here? What's going on? What are we doing? He said, I'm here to take you on some astral trips, uh, trips on the astral plane, out-of-body adventures. I want you to see things, uh, talk to people so that you can uh, write about what you see and hear in your next book. And by the way, you're not done with one. You're going to write three or four more, which really threw me for a loop. In any event, so that was how we began our astral trips. Uh, and uh, those astral trips resulted in my last four books. I've written five in total. The last four deal with my astral mm -hmm. trips with Albert and the people we talked to, the places we saw, really quite amazing. And, and his, his whole agenda was for me to see things that I could write about so that everyone would have access to that those revelations. So that is how I met Albert, and that changed my life. Can you explain for our friends at home what 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 does that involve? Well, astral travel is, is when you're, basically your soul, your spirit, leaves your body, your physical body temporarily, and travels on a very high vibrational plane called the astral plane okay and so when you're traveling on the astral plane you're not solid so that you can you can glide through walls and ceilings and all that sort of stuff and you can't hold things solid things you know you're you're at such a high vibration rate that you don't uh, that you can just really go through anything on the physical plane and so um and basically uh when we're traveling in the astral plane it's we're in our true form in the sense of being uh, eternal souls which is what we are and, and, and we quite often on the astral plane, well, we can go to anywhere we want, other places on Earth, other planets. Most of the time we go back to the spirit side from where we came before we incarnated. We go back there and again, a very high rate of vibrational plane. Um, and and that's that really is what astral traveling is. It's interesting, uh, Chris, that we all travel on the astral plane every night when we sleep, except we're not allowed to remember those journeys for the most part. Sometimes we get a glimpse of it in, in a dream and we think it's a dream. It's actually probably some astral traveling. I was allowed to remember in great detail everything because Albert orchestrated this so that I could uh, write about what I saw. But, uh, you know, everyone travels on the astral plane. We just don't know it. But it's just it, it's just sort of a, a way of going, leaving our physical body temporarily and going to other places, particularly the spirit side. And, and once we're over there, we can generally what we do during our nightly astral travels is we confer with our spirit guides. Our spirit guides are sort of our spiritual advisors. And we confer with them saying, you know, how are we doing? 
how, how am I am I checking off all the boxes of my life plan like I, I wanted to? What should I do differently? And then we go back into our body in the morning when uh, when we wake up. So my trips with Albert were orchestrated by him, so I didn't have to be. Uh, so I remember everything, and, and 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 it's really quite amazing how you can basically you can travel instantaneously. So if you think I want to be in the Palladian constellation which is, I don't know how many light years away, it just happens like that. It's, so it's very instantaneous. And so, uh, but I wasn't able to travel on my own. Albert was my tour guide. He took me where he wanted me to see and talk to people. Um, and, and he had his own agenda. And so I just followed him along. And I was quite happy to do that. Even though I was a bit concerned at first, when he first came into my bedroom and said, come on, we're going on the astral plane for some trips. And I said, well, do I need a passport? Do I need to tell my wife where I'm going? <laughs> and he said, no, uh, you'll be back in your body before your wife wakes up and she won't even know you're gone. So that was, uh, and so once I sort of got going with Albert, I trusted him completely. It was quite comfortable. Uh, and I was like a lot of people who travel on the astral plane who remember it, they're often concerned about, will I ever get back into my body? Um, so a lot of them have that concern. I, I didn't because I trusted Albert. He always brought me back before, uh, before morning, I slipped back into my body and, uh, and, and amazingly, I remembered everything about the trip, which is how I could write my books. God, I'd be happy to get out of this body. <laughs> it hurts too much. <laughs> Garnet, this is fascinating. So when you say you took this first astral trip, were you conscious? Were you like awake or did this come to you in sort of dream form? No, no, I was very much awake, I'm very much awake. Uh, when he took me on the first trip, he just he he reached out and he basically grabbed my astral hand and pulled my astral body out of my physical body. I turned around, I could see my body still sound asleep beside my wife, um, and I was fully conscious, fully aware. Uh, it was all very new and awe-inspiring to me, but I was I was comfortable going with Albert. Mm -hmm. And in the first trip, he took me to the spirit side, and which is really quite amazing. It's, it, that's as I said, where we all originally came from and where we will all go back to when our physical bodies die. So that's our true home. That's a very high vibration dimension. Um, and that's where we all come from. And so there it's just quite amazing. Like there's no negative emotions or negative things at all. There's no disease or injury or anything. We don't have physical bodies. Um, uh, there's no, as I said, no negative emotions, just unconditional love. It's really quite an amazing mm -hmm. place. And, and, and it's just the kind of a place that once you see that, you say, I wish I could stay here. But I know I have to go back. Uh, but when my body dies, I know where I'm going. So it gives me a lot of comfort to know that I'm going back there. Um, and so the the, uh, the spirits are just really quite quite amazing. Uh, you, you can create things uh, through thought uh, uh, thought control just by thinking about something. Everyone can do this. So you know the miracles that some of the the masters on our planet, uh, like Jesus and Moses and some of the other ones. There's a lot more than just those. Uh, those miracles, you know, of Christ turning water into wine and walking on water, everyone on the spirit side can do that. That's easy, just like without even breaking a sweat. So it's just a very different different place. And so it's really quite interesting to see, talk to people over there. I've talked to a lot of really amazing, wise people who have lived on earth and who are now on the spirit side. Uh, they have some amazing words of wisdom, which I try to convey in my books. Um, he also took me to... Uh, other planets in the in the in the universe, uh, planets with some alien life forms, some planets with advanced human civilizations, took me to various other places on Earth to show me how humans were basically um, damaging our dear planet with our pollution. So there was a lot of different lessons uh, in there, 
uh, and how we mistreat animals. Uh, he was really wanted me to, to know that, uh, you know, uh, all of our animals have souls. Uh, they, they deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. And he showed me a number of examples of how we as humans abuse the other animals in our planet. Uh, so it, it was really quite an eye-opening series of adventures. And this went over a, a period of a number of years, like four books worth of uh, astro adventures. It sounds almost a wee bit similar to, to say, a plant medicine ceremony. A lot of answers sort of come to you in image form, almost like dreamlike form. And as a result of the process, it really highlights the areas of your life where you've got kind of shortcomings. It's also fascinating because, I mean, love is the highest form of vibration. So love is the truth. So it's interesting that um, that you say that. Isn't it interesting when you understand love is the high, love is what it's all about. And then you look at this, pardon my French, but this shit show that we're living in, <laughs> it's with these <laughs> idiots. I mean, you've got one control in your com- country. We permanently have one, you know, <laughs> well, I say controlling, you know, puppeteering in this country. Um, all they want is to massacre as many people to sell as many bombs, bullets and guns for their paymasters. Um it's great to reach that love place because then you just understand that you're actually quite a good person <laughs> and and there's a lot that just that, that really aren't or certainly they're uh, very naive or they're very uneducated um so going back to your to see the word friend garnet is a is it's i think this is a concept that we really need to do a little bit more work on as a species because when people say to me, Chris, I lost all my friends during the, you know, the, the, the COVID, <laughs> I say, well, they weren't your friends then, were they? <laughs> they weren't <laughs> your friend? They, they were acquaintances. Because yeah. I think friendship is something you need to learn. It's a skill. It's not, it's, it, it's something you have to get genuine at, you know, and, and it's a two-way thing, of course it is. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's people sceptical of some things that I say or some of my behaviours. The difference between a friend and an acquaintance is a friend will be like, well, Chris, look, I don't quite understand this at the moment, but, like, I know you're a good guy, so I'm, my jury's out, you know, I'm, 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 I'm here for you, dude, you know? <laughs> Whereas an acquaintance will be like, oh, God, that's that's shaking my core values. I, I can't handle it. <laughs> what? That I shouldn't be doing this or I shouldn't be, you know, that's bad. For me. So, sorry, Garnet, just, I'm just going off on one. But for the sake of people watching that, um, you know, we've got to live our lives, friends. You've got to do what you got to do. It's just that simple. And life's way in, in, in this set of molecules and in this lifetime is too short to be like worrying what other people think about you because what other people think is a projection of where they are at, not where you are. It's a projection where they are. So if they're calling you silly names, and let's be honest, you know, the the the, the not-so-educated uh, people, they love their uh, monikers, don't they? they? They hear it on the... They hear it from the mainstream media and they're not smart enough to like 
rise above it. Um, that that's where they are. So I I think it's great being enlightened, Garnet. I love it because I don't answer to people. I, I I the universe tells me I'm ace. Tells me I'm I'm an equal. I've got an equal share in it, <laughs> and uh, so I don't have to prove myself to anyone. And that's that's quite a quite a reassurance. But my my point was before I waffle on any further. What was the response from your, you know, quote unquote friends and and former colleagues? Did did any of them understand it, or did they think you were making it up? How how, how does that work? Well, it, it, it's hard to say because it didn't really tell me to my face, but for the most part, it was kind of like ghosting me, silent treatment. Um, there were a few. I'd have to say there were a few who actually sent me an email after my first book saying, "Good for you to have the courage to publish your book." So I did get some good positive reviews, but for the other ones, I mean, I understand where they're coming from because, frankly, if I was still practicing law and one of my partners had uh, had, had written that sort of book, I'd, I'd think the same thing. So I know exactly where they're coming from. Don't blame them. You know, when people, I've had lots of people say, "You're making this all up. It's a bunch of BS." You know, um, you know, just uh, you know, it, it's it's you're, you're contrary to most organized religions. So how can how can you send that out there as being the the true? philosophy of what's happening on our planet. You know, when I say to them, I said, you know, at the end of the day, when you and I are both dead, we'll both know who's telling the truth. I just leave it at that. I'm not trying to convert anyone or preach to anyone. I'm just trying to lay out what Albert wants me to, to tell to the to the public. People can believe whatever they want. doesn't matter what you believe. You're going to end up back in the spirit side when you die, regardless of what you did. So you can believe in, in any of the religions. You can have, you can be agnostic. Uh, you, you can have, you know, spiritual, whatever it is, everyone ends up in the same place. So I'm not, I'm not concerned about people who adhere to their religion or to their other beliefs. Uh, I'm not going to try to change them. It's like, I lay it out. Here it is. You can read what Albert has told me, what I've written in my books. You can take it, uh, accept it or not. Entirely up to you. It doesn't bother me if you reject it. I've, I've, I've been called all kinds of names and, you know, what the heck, that's just part of life. Yes. Well, I wouldn't worry about it, Garnet, because I, I don't really like religion. I mean, I know the people in it, they mean well, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they're bad people or anything. I mean, Christians, are, a lot of them, I think, are quite beautiful people. Uh, I think they all want to be beautiful. I just think, you know, you see it so much on in the on the social media platforms and the video is the Christians telling everyone else what to do. And it's kind of, it's not, spirituality isn't like that, folks. Everyone's got to tread their own journey um, and they've got to come to the truth in their own time. You can't tell someone that, you know, if they don't believe in aliens, then they're going to hell or, or, or you know, or believe. But the thing is, I had to, I mean, I used to go to church as a kid. I hated it. It was so boring singing his i mean the songs weren't bad but i mean five and six years old for crying i don't want to be sat singing songs with old people <laughs> listening to these stories that are literally they, they tell them literally i just wanted to get out with my fishing rod and so i kind of had a few that then like when my mother died she really got anti christianity before she died she found it really hypocritical da -da 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 -da, and she didn't want a, a christian funeral and by christian folks i mean organized religion i'm not talking about yeshua 
And of course, what happened? The family got to hear of it. What? Oh, no, you're my mum's dead for crying out loud. Her last wish was, I just want, you know, a a, a neutral funeral. <laughs> oh, no, no. The, the you know, does something weird to people's heads that the family, not my close family, but, you know, her, they just insisted she had a Christian burial. And, and it was that told told that tells you a lot, I think that my mother's wishes were ignored because they had their own wishes. That was just we we very, very like frighteningly brainwashingly scary. Um but the main thing is what I've come to learn, and I've got some great books here. I try to encourage everyone to take an interest in this. I I got recommended these by a friend of mine, the Dictionary of the Sacred Languages of All Scriptures and Myths. And what I learned from that, Garnet, was that the scriptures are allegory and they're incredibly clever, way cleverer than anyone gives them credit for. This is people in a time where if you told the truth, you got put to death. So they came up with this really clever code. So things like bread, you know, uh, means like inf- downloading information from the universe. Um, it, uh, you know, um, Samson fights the lion. It's about getting on top of your ego. Um, the passage of the Israelites is about leaving your lower self. You know, this is what we talked about, wasn't it? Like when you're a lawyer and you're all angry and determined and it's all about the materialism and the fast car and the screwing down the defense and all that kind of stuff. And then you realize, no, it's not about that. It's about love. It's about reaching love. So the allegory, Egypt being lower self, Israelites being an awakened person. This is nothing to do with geography, folks, or peoples. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying allegory. It means secret hidden code into the land of milk and honey. That's your serotonin in your DMT from your pineal and pituitary gland that starts to produce these chemicals when you you raise your um, vibration, as Gar- Garnet has mentioned. You know, fascinating stuff. Set me free. To think that if I was in a church, they would hide all this stuff from me. And I don't, they don't do it nastily. They just don't know. Well, I mean... I'm sure the people like in the Vatican and stuff, they know very well, but, um, you know, they don't teach you the beauty of it. So you get this very one dimensional kind of linear story. That's a bit weird because there's, you know, there's bits of it don't make sense kind of stuff. So yeah, I, 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 I get it. Like I get it. You know, you, 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 you kind of, if, if you want that peace of mind in life, you you kind of got to get away from organized religion. I think. Um, can you, Garnet? Can you give us an idea then? So, what kind of places did Albert take you to, um, and why, and what did you get from it? On my first trip uh, with him uh, to Spirit Side, he took me to a meeting with. Uh, uh, a committee called the Council of Wise Ones, which is a, a, a group, a committee of very wise souls. Okay, their 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 job was to oversee all the incarnations on our planet. Okay, 
So what happens is that if you're a soul on the spirit side and you decide, okay, I think I'm going to incarnate on planet Earth as a human. Okay, your choice entirely. You don't have nobody forces you to do that. You can stay in the spirit side as long as you want, but it's a challenge. It's like somebody saying, "I want to climb Mount Everest." Um, so souls can say, "Yeah, I want to go. I want to incarnate as a as a human." And so every one of us prepares uh, a life plan, a life contract. Some people say. So you pick out where you're going to be born, the first language you, you use, your name, the identity of your parents, siblings, other relatives. So you, you 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 bring all this together, and that's the sort of the structure that you're going to incarnate into. So you, and you choose this all very carefully. Why do you do that? Because you want to experience certain challenges and learn some lessons that will help you grow and evolve as a soul. So that's that's why you're doing it. Okay, counsel wise ones before somebody incarnates will have a look at your life plan to say. Uh, okay, Chris, uh, this looks pretty good. Or they might say, no, Chris, you're planning a, cr- a very cushy life and you're not going to learn much. You know, you're going to, you, you, you want to, you're saying you want to be born into a very wealthy family, lots of servants, no, no problems at all. They said, you know, that they may say that's too cushy for you. You need to put in a few more challenges. Or maybe they'll say, Chris, you put in too many hard challenges. You're not going to be able to live through all this, and and you're going to have a really a miserable life because you're going to you're going to face too many challenges that you can't defeat. So they give you advice on what you should put in your life plan based upon what your journey has been so far. So I mean, if you've had 200 lives on Earth, they know all about that, and they can tell what what's sort of missing in terms of uh, you know how many of the boxes did you not check off on all those lives? Go in and try again, and they'll try to direct you in the right place. They're very wise, but one of the things they said to me was they had a message for me. To write in my books for all humanity, and they said, "Look, uh, humans are at a, a, a crucial crossroad in their development. We've got very advanced technology. We have weapons of mass destruction, um, but our emotional and spiritual intelligence has not kept pace. So, what happens is that why there's so many problems? You said this is a real shithole that we're living in. Pardon my language, but uh, because we let our negative emotions get out of control. So once we get on, once we get incarnated on Earth." We don't remember where we came from or what we put in our life plan. We don't remember the unconditional love that we experienced in the spirit side. So now we're in a human form. We have free will. And all too often we let our negative emotions get out of control. And that's what, you know, negative emotions, fear, anger, hate, greed, you know, the whole thing. That's what causes so many or probably most of the problems, uh, human-led problems on our planet. So they said, look at humans, you've got the weapons uh, that you can, weapons of mass destruction. You can wipe out all life on Earth if you unleash these. So you have to be very careful. They said, we do not want your current civilization to crash and burn like some of your other civilizations like Lemuria, Atlantis, and some of the other ones that we don't even know about. Um, and, and, and what happens there is they all rose up to great heights and then they end up just destroying themselves. And and, and so the wise, Council of Wiseman says, we don't want this civilization to do the same thing. And we want you guys to wake up, pay attention to what's going on, and understand that the only way to defeat evil created by humans on Earth is to embrace love and compassion and forgiveness. And so that was their message. You know, tell your humans, fellow humans, uh, you know, if you don't play your cards right, you're gonna get wiped off the face of the of the planet. And so that was a really uh, stern message they gave to me to pass on in my books. Do you think though that the, the evildoers on the planet, when you've been looking at this as long as I have, it's not hard to see who they are. Do they have their own council that's, you oh, know, yeah, fit, yeah, fit, fit, for sure. Fit, they, 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 have, uh, they have spirit guides, everyone is spirit guides. Uh, the trouble is that the people who are creating most of the evil things on our, our planet don't pay any attention. They get messages all the time trying to steer them in a different direction, but they let the negative emotions just rule their lives. So they don't hear any of that, don't want to hear any of it. And, and that's the problem. And, and of course, uh, 
you know, until they sort of see the light, uh, those things are going to continue on our planet. What we really need is more spiritually minded people like you and your listeners and other people on the planet say, okay, we've got to stop this. We have to put an end to, to this human driven evil on our planet and embrace love and compassion and forgiveness. That's where we have to go. Not an easy task though, because the people who are in charge of our planet, all the countries for the most part, aren't paying any attention to that. They have their own agenda that, you know, the power and control, materialistic goals. And, and that's the, that's the main problem that we have, as you fully understand. I guess, you know, if you've got a spirit guide and you're a sociopath, that spirit guide's got his work cut out. If you're a psychopath, he's probably got even more. <laughs> of <its. laughs> you know, because why do people, be, I mean, God, some of the stuff we've seen in the last 20 years, is just, just, the masses of people that have died under this nonsense. I say not nonsense. I'm, I'm putting it lightly. These guys are schemers and they're, they can just do these things. They know, you know, these wars in the middle, they know millions of people. Well, you know, a million people are going to die. And like, all they care about is their share portfolio. You know, uh, and they, they, literally are the architects of, of of this chaos this destruction and chaos it's crazy it's crazy um yes so um can you give us some more ideas of where where you've astro astral traveled garnet sure. yeah yeah i can um it, it was a uh... I went to one. I mean, you know, a lot of people are talking these days about UFOs and aliens and so on. I, I, so I've I've had the encounters on my astral trips with some of these aliens, and and in 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 one case it was a planet that took me to near the center of our galaxy, where they were sort of very intelligent spider-like creatures. Um, they were highly advanced, and and they and they took me into their big control area underneath the surface of the planet. Their job was to monitor all the planets in our galaxy, find out which ones were capable of harboring life just remotely through their instruments. And when they found a planet that was capable of harboring life, they would get the, this, there's a uh, galactic federation of, of intelligent alien uh, civilizations in our galaxy. They would let them know, and then they would direct uh, uh, ETs uh, with faster than light crafts to travel to those planets and seed life. That's how life began on our planet. It was seeded from another planet by these ETs. So really quite an amazing eye-opener. Um, he also took me to uh, uh, to a UFO orbiting planet Earth, uh, a, a spaceship basically, um, and and these were different kind of creatures. They were little humanoids, and they said that they've been monitoring planet Earth for many many centuries, watching what's going on. They were very benevolent. They weren't trying to take us over. Very advanced technology, and they and they said they were just one of uh, many different alien races uh, that had warp drive that could travel between the stars. That were traveling, had been traveling to Earth, and were still there. So all those UFO reports that people uh, uh, make, those are alien spacecraft. And, and there's no question that they do exist, but there's no fear there. They're not trying to take us over. As Albert said, these guys are so advanced. If they had wanted to take over Earth and enslave humans, they could have done so centuries ago, like just by flicking their, their wrists, that it could have happened. So they're really trying to help us develop. They want us, just like the Council of Wise Ones, want us to get over our, our, our problems and uh, advance up the vibrational ladder to ladder to a to a, a better place, and that's what they're trying to do. They try to help us, but so anyway, those are some ET places that I saw. Um, interesting that I went. Um, you know, at one point I said to Albert, <clears throat> excuse me, I said, you know, um, 
are humans on other planets besides Earth, or are we the, the only place that, that humans exist? He said, no, there are other human civilizations. So he took me to two. I'll, I'll just tell you about two very interesting ones, uh, Chris. One was a planet that was a matriarchal society. It was a very, very modern, more advanced than our place. It was run exclusively by women. Uh, so the women ran, uh, had all the political offices, all the positions of power. Men were not allowed to vote or have any positions of power whatsoever. How they did this was they discovered long ago a plant that would, if it fed to the men, would drastically lower the testosterone levels of men. So they would then do this and chemically sterilize the male babies at three um, so that they were very docile and subservient. Um, and that's how the women were basically able to, to, to run the planet without running into violent males. So it was a very good harmonious society, worked well. I mean, it's not a great place for men, <laughs> but you know, it, it seemed to work for them. So that was one example. Another planet he took to me to was a very uh, uh, planet with very equal in terms of men and women. They were very advanced as well. They had the ability to travel between the stars. Uh, they had a very uh, harmonious society where there was no crime. Nobody had to work. There was no money. Um, and so they had a very good uh, advanced sort of society, very peaceful. Um, and what, one of the things there that I've, I've noted that, that, that people like to hear about was that they, um, they were all in very great physical shape, not an ounce of fat on any of them. And how that came about was they, their scientists had discovered long ago uh, uh, that there was a pill that if they ingested it, uh, they could eat whatever they wanted to without getting, you know, absorbing any calories or cholesterol or any of the bad stuff. So they had this magic diet pill that allowed them to eat and drink whatever the heck they wanted without... Uh, gaining any weight or deteriorating their health. So they, uh, it, those are just two examples of human societies that have managed to overcome their negative traits uh, and, and, and work out to, to have a very harmonious and peaceful sort of society. I mean, I, I, mean, I would love to live on the, uh, on the second one. The first one, not so much because the men there <laughs> didn't, uh, didn't fare so well. But, I mean, the men on that planet weren't mistreated. They were just, uh, they were just kept like uh, docile pets, basically. Uh, anyway, that seemed to work for them. The other one was sort of equal, equal, and it, was, and it worked just fine. I'm sure there's others, but Albert just wanted me to, to know that uh, humans on Earth, um, we're on our own track, but there are other human civilizations that have mastered their negative emotions and learned to live in peace and harmony. So it was, it was something that we can strive to achieve. I bought some diet, diet pills in Thailand once, but that's another story, Garnet. <laughs> <laughs> They weren't for losing weight, although I did probably lose quite a lot of weight that night. <laughs> yeah, the other interesting places, I, I know I, I can't go on for too long here, but but uh, Albert took me to visit Earth in two different parallel dimensions. Like there's there's numerous parallel universes, dimensions, um, and that, that all arises from the fact that the initial universe uh, kept on subdividing over random periods of time. So now we have a, a multitude of different parallel universes, and our planet has has at various times is split into two. And, and initially when you split into two, um, both sides are identical, but then over time through the interaction of matter and energy and, and, uh, and uh, human uh, you know, uh, activity, uh, they sort of go their own separate ways. So the first one he took me to, we dropped down uh, into lower Manhattan, uh, New York City. First thing I noticed was that, and this was in, uh, you know, in current times, uh, I noticed that the World Trade Towers were still standing, and I said to him, "Well, what year is this?" And he, and he said, "Well, it's, it's past the, the you know, 
9-11 kind of date, those towers are still standing. He said that's because of a quirk in the, in the history of this planet. He said that at a very young age, Mohammed, who established um, the Islam religion, died in a quirk accident. He died. That religion was never established, so there was no Islam anywhere in the world, that world, no Islamic terrorists, so the World Trade Towers were still standing. So it was quite interesting. And then he showed me another quirk of history in that planet, took me up Manhattan to Carlin, and I, he dropped me down there. I'm standing on the street, and he said, do you know there's any difference here? And I said, well, I don't see very many black people walking on the streets. This is Harlem. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, did that happen? He said, well, another quirk of history. In that, in that uh, universe, way back in the uh, 1400s or whenever, Great Britain um, abolished slavery, which is way before it happened on our planet. Abolished slavery. The rest of the European countries abolished slavery. And then when they colonized the New World, there was no slave trade there. So none of the slaves were captured in Africa, brought over to America. So in that planet, um, the, the black people uh, represent like less than 1% of the population as opposed to 13% right now. So in that planet, there was no civil rights movement. Uh, there was no civil war. Lincoln didn't have to de- uh, issue the Emancipation Declaration because there was no problem with slaves. But we were no slaves. So that was two di- just two little quirks in history made a huge difference. Then he took me to another parallel universe where it was sort of very much uh, similar to ours. Uh, but he took me over to uh, hovered over Los Angeles, and uh, I noticed that there wasn't very much pollution, and there were basically no no vehicles on the road. Like you know, the, if you ever been to LA, and you know the freeways are constantly packed with traffic, was basically nothing. And I said, well, what happened here? And he said, well, in, on this planet, they also had the COVID pandemic, but it was occurred a few more years before ours did. And they realized that during the lockdown and the pandemic, there was a lot less pollution in the planet. You know that. There was no smog over LA. Uh, you can see the pyramids from Cairo. Uh, you know, the waters were a lot cleaner uh, just because of that lockdown. So their scientists said, okay, we have to try to find a permanent way to, 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 uh, to make our environment much cleaner, uh, like during the lockdown or even better. So they put their heads together. They ended up, to make a long story short, they ended up developing a teleportation system. They first of all started uh, teleporting a, a drop of water from one location to another, gradually moved up, and then eventually they could teleport people, just like Star Trek. So um, so they were able to teleport people, freight, and everything else. And so uh, all the freight was moved by teleportation. So there was no uh, trucks on the road, no trains carrying freight. Uh, if you wanted to go from L.A. to New York, you just went into a, a little booth, punched in some numbers, bang, you ended up in New York. So you didn't have to catch a plane. So, so they had really driven their pollution way, way down. Um, and, and so it was a, a very happy sort of place. And, and that's just, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, obviously people say, well, that's a BS, that's just, that, 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 that just something that Gene Roddenberry came up with. But science fiction writers do uh, often have a, 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 a peer into the future or into other dimensions, and that's where they come up with some of their ideas. Don't know where Roddenberry got his from, but in any event, this parallel Earth developed a teleportation system, and it work fine and someday maybe we will do that but uh, anyway those are two different examples of how things uh, uh, develop differently in two different parallel earths compared to ours and both of those were much happier places they weren't perfect but they're much happier than our earth and so who knows maybe we'll get there someday are there many people that have had these experiences do you get you know emails from people 
Um, I get a few, not not too many people. There, there's actually a lot of people that, that have indicated they have spontaneous out-of-body experiences. You know, they might be sitting there uh, in their family room reading a book, and all of a sudden they find themselves out of the body looking at their body, hovering around the ceiling. Uh, so we, there's a lot of those reports. Nobody to, to the extent that I have, uh, you know, with all the, the trips that I've made, but there, there's a lot of people who have indicated uh, that they've had out-of-body experiences. And uh, there are some people who can trigger uh, astral trips, um, you know, uh, I think it's Robert Monroe, who had written a number of books about that. He has an institute going in, in the U.S. where they try to train people to astral travel. Don't know how that works. I haven't been able to do it myself. I only do it when Albert comes along to, to guide the way. But it, it, it does happen. I haven't heard of anybody else um, with the same extensive trips that I've had. Uh, but, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know everything, so there could be people out there. Albert, then, he's still around. He's still in your life now. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. He's still yeah. in my life. Um, I, I don't, uh, I don't talk to him every day, but I, but I can, I know he's around, and if I have a question, I can ask him. Mm. Uh, he's, uh, I'm just waiting for him to uh, tell me when I need to start writing book six. <laughs> sort of dreading it in a way, but, but, but he, he was the one who coaxed me into all the other books, and so um, when, when he thinks the time is right, he'll probably say, "Come on, let's go some more trips," and you're going to write another book. So, mm. assuming I don't die before then. And yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a challenge for all of us. Yeah, um, Garnet. What? Uh, so now that you're familiar with him, does he does he drop the guise of being a homeless person? Does he just? No, he you know, still shows up as, as as a homeless person in astral form. Yeah, and, and he doesn't need to because I could I could recognize him. But he just that's just his thing. He sort of says, "Okay, well, I first appeared to you as a homeless man. I'm going to show you the homeless man in astral form." So that's how he shows up. But but you see, souls in the spirit side, they can appear to others as any way they want. So for a lot of souls, the natural form is just a ball of energy. But a lot of souls will show themselves as, uh, as say, as a human in one of the incarnations that they had that they really liked. And so you can see people in all kinds of different uh, uh, garments and costumes and uniforms from various eras of, on Earth. But so Albert always shows up as the homeless man. Hmm. Level two quantum healing hypnosis technique you're a practitioner of of that it's a modality that guides clients to experience past lives and connect with their higher selves why would somebody come to you for that well everyone who comes to me and i've had i've had uh, you know uh, many many clients come to me um they, they all have some burning questions about their lives on earth and, and the, the usual ones are like what Know, why am I here? Why, why did I come here? What's my life purpose? And how can I achieve my life purpose? Uh, those are the big burning questions. But they have a lot of practical questions like, should I keep my job or should I find a new one? Should I stick with my partner or should I boot them out and find somebody new? Or if I don't have a partner, how do I find a partner? Um, so there's a lot of very practical questions that they have. Uh, they, they want some help in terms of figuring out what they should do with the rest of their journey. And so that's why they have a session. Um, and, and that's where the contact with the higher self comes in. In a, in, a, in a session, I put them into a very deep hypnotic trance called the theta level. So they're in a deep hypnotic trance. And there's two parts to it. The first part is a past life regression where they get taken back to a, a previous life. And, and it could be a past life, parallel life, future life, doesn't matter. Most of the time, it's a life as a human on Earth. Sometimes it could be even an alien life form on a different planet. I've had it all over the map. And so they're shown a past life that their higher self chooses to show to them, which has some relevance to their current life. So sometimes there's 
important people in the past life that are in their current life. Sometimes they realize from the past life there was some unfinished karma, some things that they didn't resolve in that past life that's now come back to haunt them in the current life so they can understand where they are. But the best part is contacting the higher self where I summon the higher self. The higher self literally channels through the client who's in this trance to answer the questions. And so the client will bring a list of questions, written questions for me to ask the higher self, which I will ask and the higher self will respond verbally through their voice mechanism and uh, give some very good candid answers. It's very, it's a very amazing kind of a, a session and amazing wisdom that comes from a, a person's higher self. Uh, and it's all recorded. At the end of the session, I send them the recording and they can listen to it over and over. And it's really quite enlightening to have people uh, get the answers to the big questions in life that they have. Big questions and small questions, because some of the small questions really uh, are uh, you know, as crucial to us as some of the big questions. You know, We have to deal with the small matters every day in our day-to-day -day life. And so they get the answers to these questions, and they're very good answers. And sometimes they get answers they don't like, but that's just, you know, they're, they're prepared to accept that. Garnet, if my girlfriend comes to see you, you tell her to stick stick with her boyfriend, all right? <laughs> yeah, it's not me. But you know, it, it was interesting because I did have one client, who uh, a young lady who uh, who was uh, wasn't sure about the uh, guy she was living with for four or five years. So she asked her herself, "Is this guy good for me?" Her herself says, "He's a bum. Kick him out." Mm. <laughs> I was going to so, say, you know, so <laughs> be careful think, what you ask for. I think if someone even needs to ask that question, the the answer's probably right in front of their face. But yeah, Garnet, listen, this has uh, been a wonderful, uh, 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 wonderful chat. It's I like listening. I, I I like listening to everything, Garnet. You know, because a lot of people are quite blinkered. They just want to listen to what they like, or you know what makes sense to them or, or, or whatever. I mean, that's okay. But I always say to people like, you got to listen to everybody on this planet. You know, you don't have to necessarily agree with them. You don't have to put all your chips. I say on one square, but folks, you know, it's a rich tapestry of life out there. And uh, I think we're, um, we've been very privileged today to have Garnet on the show to share a side of life that I'll be honest, haven't, I didn't really know very much about. So, Garnet, thank you ever so much. Uh, are your books on Am Amazon? Yes. Yeah, we'll put your Amazon links below. So, folks, there you go. If you want to uh, check out Garnet's story more. Garnet, stay on the line so I can thank you properly. But for the purposes of the recording, thank you very much. And friends at home, please, if you could like and subscribe and support the show, massive thank you to all our patrons. We pay one ninety nine a month to keep the show on the air going to see many of you soon because you get vip tickets to our upcoming bushcraft weekend and uh and uh you also had them to our spiritual weekend uh that we had about a month ago now and that that was uh that was an eye-opener so if you can like and subscribe folks great massive massive love to you all look after yourselves keep smiling and uh see you soon Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.